week's episode of the top five report the podcast that is not entirely sure what's going to happen next because we did not receive today's script my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter line yeah right (laughs) oh here okay yes yes i'm i'm present you're you're here fantastic um so what's going on man uh not too much um yeah nothing super substantial um yeah how about you (laughs) Um, well, I was just thinking because uh, you told me that we were about to record and you said I'm in just a couple minutes. I was mowing the lawn. Um, I it's it, I haven't gotten hardly any rain out here, so um, I haven't had to mow my lawn in a week. It's been kind of nice. <laughs> oh, it's it's been like about two weeks. So, oh, yeah, it hasn't right. rained a lot, but it's just it was kind of needed to be done before it got out of hand sort of thing. But um, sure. I don't yeah. know. I've been spending way too much time on yard work <laughs> this summer and not enough time doing cool, nerdy stuff. Um, you'll find out, out about that when we get to my watching and reading because it's pretty short. But uh, yeah, no, to, that's about it for me. do more cool, nerdy stuff. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how about this? Let's why don't we jump right in and uh, watching and reading, man. Let's hear how short this list is. Yeah, it's uh, it's super short. Um, I feel like I've only watched one thing or uh, one thing of note this week, and that is uh, The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. So this is the newest Conjuring movie that just released on HBO Max. Um, Drew, I don't know if you've seen this or if you have uh, any interest or kind of what your thoughts are on here. But uh, we watched this the other night and I enjoyed it quite a bit. All right. So before I before you give me a review. Um, I have seen the uh, advertisement on HBO Max. It looks good. I want to watch it, and it teases me every time I turn on HBO Max. I just haven't had the time to watch a movie. So, <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Um, well, I think I, I've just enjoyed the Conjuring series overall, like pretty well. So I, I kind of just—it was kind of one of those things where I made the time to uh, watch it. But this one is. Um, I don't know. I keep I've said it before on the podcast, but I really feel like the Conjuring movie universe is like it's a really cool cinematic universe that I think came it came in under everybody's nose. Like nobody really talks about it being a shared universe and stuff, but it totally is because you have the Conjuring, uh, like the main Conjuring movies, and then you have the Annabelle films that are related to the Conjuring, but they're kind of like fit into their own little slot as well. And then you have all these different offshoots like The Nun and Curse of La Llorona and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, this this new Conjuring movie was a pretty good um, addition to the whole like conjuring movie universe that they have going so i enjoyed it quite a bit it's um i'm trying to think of like the best way to say it because i can't say too much because it's one of those 
you know, it's a horror movie and there's definitely a mystery to it. So I don't want to give any any spoilers away. But um, it's yeah, I'm, <laughs> as far as the plot, it's uh, it's really it's really hard to say. But this movie kind of deals with um, I'm going to say like more like it's a little bit more in the vein of like folk horror or uh, witchcraft, where the other Conjuring movies, you know, deal a little bit more with demonic possession and, um, you know, your typical haunting and haunting stories and stuff. So the fact that this had that sort of folklore, like uh, witchcraft sort of connection was really awesome. And uh, it's just kind of cool when you watch these movies and you realize that all these movies are based on true events and they're based on a real um, this real demonologist couple who actually had all these crazy um, exorcisms and supernatural exploits and all of that. And it's just kind of cool to uh, delve in that universe. I think I've heard a little bit of criticism on this third conjuring movie that came out because um, some people I think are saying that it's not scary enough where I kind of disagree. Like I feel like the first half of the movie, I was really on the edge of my seat and uh, it was quite suspenseful, but it does follow a little bit of that horror movie. um, I guess uh, structure where when everything's still mysterious, it's very scary. And then once you kind of realize what the threat is, um, you know, some of the scares go away. Um, But I'm somebody who's not really often that scared by horror movies. So I was just kind of in it for the story, which I really loved. Um, This might be the within the top three conjuring movies, as far as like quality goes, I think the, the conjuring two is, Still probably my favorite. I really think that's the best one. Um, I also really love Annabelle Origins. I think that movie's really good. But uh, yeah, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. That might be my third favorite of this franchise. So um, like I said, it's I don't want to spoil anything, though. And this is definitely a movie where once you start to talk about things past like the first 10 minutes, <laughs> like, honestly, it's really easy to spoil stuff. So I don't really want to say too much, but uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts or comments on the conjuring drew, or if you wanted to move into your watching and reading this week. Well, is that, that's the only thing you watch. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly the only thing um, that, yeah, at least on the top of my head, <laughs> unless you say something and I'm like, Oh, I, I watched that as well. I haven't had a chance to watch Loki yet, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, I just haven't seen the movie, so I don't have much to say about it, but in the realm of the horror movies, what you said about it being like the typical, like, I, so I noticed this with like army of the dead. Um, once you got into the idea of the minutia of what the movie was about, it stopped being like a scary zombie movie. And it was just kind of a fun action movie for me. You know what I mean? Or like, um, when you watch it, like any horror movie to me, like it's creepy for like those first few, like maybe 20 minutes. And then it's a chase movie or it's a heist movie or it's yeah, exactly. an action film. Like the majority of horror kind of structures that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally hear what you're saying. Um, but yeah, no, I just haven't seen the movie, so I don't have a lot to say about it yet. Um, but, uh, in terms of my watching and reading, um, I can tell you this, I've had, I've been very busy, uh, since we last talked. Um, uh, I talked, I talked in the past about that. I was working on a movie for a film, uh, amateur film festival with some people, so with, uh, some friends, uh, Travis, um, who was on the show from Chicago science bros, who came on our show to talk, uh, for a little bit. Um, him and I, and his brother, uh, Casey worked on a movie, uh, for uh, amateur film competition. 
the festival was this past weekend. Um, our movie, uh, the movie's titled The Dance. Um, it won in our category. Uh, so we won. Yay for us. Um, it was awesome. It was really great. It was really great to have the because the, we used a lot of kid actors and it was really cool having them out there. They seemed to have they seemed to really, really enjoy um, how everything was going and um, just the being in that limelight, I guess you could say. Um, the uh, the movie is officially out on YouTube for people to view. Um, so please, um, if you're listening to this, take, if you got 17 minutes to spare, go check it out. It's, um, I just, we just think it's really good and we want to like, it's kind of like, let's do another one, if you will. Um, I tweeted it out from my personal Twitter, Drew3927. Um, I tweeted it out and then, um, top five report podcast, uh, Twitter feed posted it. Uh, so it's out there. If you just want to search it on YouTube, um, it's, I don't want to say you have to be exact, but if you just type in the dance, you might not find it because it's the dance final cut and final cut is one word. Um, and then it's like the second one down. So, um, but yeah, it's right there. Um, so enjoy. Um, hope you guys all like it. Um, yeah, that, that's good to know. I'm glad that you said where to find it. Um, I probably should have added this to my watching and reading because I did get a chance to watch your movie too. And, uh, I thought it was really awesome. And, uh, for the listeners, like this is just a really fun, um, short uh, science fiction story, actually. And I don't want to spoil too much, but um, yeah, I definitely think our audience would enjoy it. And uh, I thought it was really cool. And um, yeah, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much. It's only a 17 minute film, <laughs> so I don't want to give too right, much away. But let's let's put it this uh, to give you a quick synopsis of it. Uh, the dance refers to a prom and there's a girl trying to get ready for prom and there's a science fiction element that kind of prevents her from getting there, if you will. And uh, does she make it? Does she not? What happens with the adventure that her and uh, a couple of other characters end up going on prior to her getting to go to said the dance? Um, and that's the best way I can give you a synopsis for the film. So, <laughs> um, but no, we made it. Um, we, we honestly were trying to make a movie that everyone could enjoy. It would literally hit on every cylinder, every person from every demographic. Could I deal with a character in the movie and then just enjoy it? And that's kind of what we were going for. So Nice. Uh, that's awesome. But yeah, and we might try and have Travis and uh, his brother Casey on and maybe talk a little bit more about the movie a future date. Um, we don't know yet. We're trying to work out the minutiae of that. But uh, like I said, if you have 17 minutes, go check it out. Um, so... That being said, real quick, because that movie, because I had to deal with that stuff like this, events like this, uh, making a thing always gets me fired up and it lights a fire under my ass and I start working. And like it, it just it's I find that very inspirational. It's a very driving force because you like go on this like uh, natural high for a little bit and then you don't want it to end. So you're like, well, what are we making next? What are we doing next, guys? And you start having those conversations. And uh, we were at our we were having our rap party uh, with the cast and some of the family members and stuff. And I just, you know, Travis and I are off in a corner just talking real quietly about an idea. And I go, dude, I have a fraction of an idea. And I kind of laid it out for him. And it was really tiny. I'm like, there's still a lot to be flushed out. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I kind of like what you're saying. But he didn't like I didn't have a lot for him to go off of. So there wasn't much of a conversation. But. Since that conversation, I've been writing constantly and I have so many notes and it's just completely becoming this flushed out thing. So it could be the next thing we do. I don't know yet. Um, but I've been kind of in creative mode, if you will. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> so aside from like catching up on things like The Bad Batch, um, I did watch Loki because um, 
we're recording a day early and I was like, shoot, I'm not gonna have a chance to watch Loki before we record. And then I was like, oh, wait, I am going to watch Loki before we record. (laughs) um, Yes, uh, Loki is so much fun. And that's honestly the only thing I can really say about it, because otherwise I'm going to be spoiling the show for you. Um, It's. It starts and this I guess this is a spoiler, but it's literally the opening scene is do you remember Avengers Endgame when Loki steals the Tesseract? Oh, yeah, that is the opening scene. Like they literally lift the scene from Avengers Endgame of them going in the elevator with Hulk having to run down the stairs and then the scene in the lobby. That is the opening scene of the show. <laughs> that's great. So that's kind uh, of uh, that's kind of what I thought. I thought that was going to kind of be the starting point. But uh, no, that's very interesting. Yeah. So that's literally the opening scene. And then Loki disappears and then they roll you the opening credits and then you kind of pick up from there. So um, it was just kind of a cool. I was just like, oh, sweet. That's awesome. And you kind of like know right where this is starting immediately. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and it makes me think that if you wanted to watch like Infinity War into Endgame straight into Loki, that could be a really fun way to watch it. Um, but like like I said, I haven't watched it yet, so I might be off base there. If, you know, there's details you need to catch in Falcon yeah. and Winter Soldier or WandaVision or something like that. Well, at, at one episode, I don't know yet. <laughs> OK, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? At one episode, yeah. at one episode, you could finish Endgame and start Loki. But without knowing where the rest of the show goes, I don't entirely know how that's going to play out. So we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, But, yeah, Loki was great. And that's really all I got for you um, in terms of my quote unquote new watching and reading category. So because I've been in creative mode and just kind of working at the moment. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's the other thing I did do is I've um, I got to play some D&D last Sunday Um. And I haven't gotten to play in like a month because I've been doing like movie stuff and writing and kind of prepping for other things. Um, and I really I'm not going to lie, dude, I really scratched an itch. Uh, we got <laughs> we got done playing and I was like, man, I want to keep playing. <laughs> so uh, that that was that was good. But other than that, yeah, that's good because, um, yeah, any D&D session that ends and it leaves you wanting more that is awesome because I've, I've been in plenty of sessions where it's like the first two or three hours you're all gung-ho like this is awesome and then you'll get in one encounter that seems to last like just way longer than it should and then you're just like i'm glad i'm going home at this point like i love D, but i've had plenty of nights that kind of follow that uh outline i li- i just laid out there but uh no that's awesome that uh you, know, is, um, <laughs> you were left wanting more you know the the actual the actual official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, which is through Wizards of the Coast uh, because they make the game, but they have their own podcast specifically for D&D and it's called Dragon Talk. It's really informative, especially if you're a dungeon master and you want to learn how to be a better dungeon master. It's a really, really informative podcast. So I listen to it on occasion. And one of the guys that they were interviewing um, about DM tips and stuff said that a good encounter and you just and you and you said that some encounters take way too long. They said an average encounter should be done within three rounds. Well, that's awesome. Um, I've mentioned <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, so every person gets roughly three turns within the encounter. And you know what I mean? I was like, that's a interesting way of structuring encounter. He's like, because if you go too much longer, your players get bored. He's like, I understand if you got to go three or four, depending on the creature. But, you know, for the for the most part, you know, it should be an average encounter should be roughly about three turns. Yeah, well, I, I think that actually sounds like a really good um 
length of time for your encounters to be. Um, my issue is like I've exclusively played fourth edition of D&D, which is very heavy on the sort of tactics like it's very heavy on the break out the, you know, break out the grid, put your pieces out, you know, put your pieces on the map. We're going to fight a monster. And some of those encounters would last. I'm not even joking, like two hours, <laughs> like probably like 10 rounds. And then if you have enough people to play, you know, that you get to the point where you're waiting like 10 minutes between every time you get to move. And sometimes it gets very tedious, even though like I would really love the story and what we were doing. Some of those, uh, some of those encounters just took a long time in fourth edition, which is kind of why I think fifth edition might actually be the Dungeons and Dragons uh, version for me, but I just haven't had the chance to play it yet. Yeah, um, fifth edition is awesome. And that's like <laughs> right on. It's, it's awesome. Uh, that's the best way I can. Uh, uh, yeah, explain that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, everyone should be playing fifth edition, so um like everyone should be playing fifth edition that's <laughs> <laughs> well to, to be fair when i started playing D fifth edition didn't exist yet so <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just D D players i'm talking everyone <laughs> okay there you go <laughs> like everyone i was being i was being very clear when i said that <laughs> um yeah anyway Perfect. um so that's kind of about it for us um at least for our watching and reading uh do you want to hit the news man yeah let's go for it Sweet. All right. So we're going to start with one of the stories that uh, you actually we're going to start with this because this made me laugh. This new story hit as soon as we stopped recording last week and it made me laugh. And I almost called you up to say, hey, dude, you're not going to believe this. But then I thought to myself, I will wait until the show because it'll make it funnier. <laughs> um, you last week, you told me about how you were watching Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix. Yes, yes, yes. Jupiter's Legacy has been officially canceled. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, like, I, what? <laughs> I, uh, I haven't made time to actually keep watching it. But from what I've seen, I enjoyed. But uh, no, I thought that was really uh, that was kind of a really crazy um, thing that happened. And since I haven't watched more of the show, I don't have too much to say. But I thought that was really wild, especially since the show just dropped. And I don't know. I don't know how Netflix would know that the interest for a second season would be that low that they would already cancel it. And I don't know if it's just like is superhero fatigue like setting in for people like so much that they've already canceled the show. Like, I don't know. Do you have any insights on what happened here at all? No, I don't. And that's the weird part is the see the show got canceled um, after just one season. But the spinoff show, Super Crooks, uh, got greenlit for a season. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, and, I, and I literally paused to see what you were going to say. That was the weird part of the story. Um, so, yes, I, I don't know, because they were already planning the spinoff show Super Crooks. Um, but so they canceled Jupiter's Legacy and then the spinoff show gets a green light. So, yep. Right. So that was weird. Yeah, um, no, it's it's really. it's very weird. I can't even like. And I'm imagining if Super Crooks goes on and it's like a big popular show and it goes on for seasons and seasons. I don't know if I know any other time that, you know, shows have existed like that, where the main <laughs> the main sort of anchor show gets canceled and then the spinoff like lives on and, you know, goes on years into success. Yeah. But we'll wait and see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, um, 
since we're talking like outside movies right now, uh, do you remember when Tom Cruise went on his rant about his that very publicly uh, that it was the audio from the rant? He like blew up on set for Mission Impossible Seven, and it was basically the "We are not effing shutting this movie down. You better effing be wearing masks." Um, we're not, you know, that kind of. Did you hear about that rant? Oh yeah, I remember this. Right. I uh, I didn't pay super close attention to this, but yeah, I so, do remember this happening. It was funny because like the industry and everyone kind of laughed at it. We're like, up oh, here goes Tom Cruise being the guy yelling at the crew. However, that was like partially the side of the story. The other side of the story was, yeah, he better be yelling at the crew because no one wants their movies to get shut down right now. <laughs> so everyone was like laughing about it, but they were all backing him up. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, the reason I bring that up is because months after an audio leaked of Tom Cruise berating crew members for apparently not following COVID safety protocols, Production on Mission Impossible has shut down due to a positive coronavirus test. <laughs> That's wild. Um, I mean, it's it's weird that we heard about this so long ago. And then to me, it's crazy that they're still filming the movie. But I know I know like each movie, it kind of has a different length of time that they're working on it. I just expected it would only, you know, after a few months, it would be over. Um, and the fact that they're still working at it and production has halted, like that's crazy. And, um, I wish we had Tom Cruise here to comment on it because I'd love to hear how pissed off he is about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I don't know if we'd actually get a legitimate story out of him, uh, in terms of that, because I don't know if you've ever heard Tom Cruise in an interview. He, he speaks very like, I, I, there was an interview I was listening to. It was on a podcast. He actually got to go on a pod. Like he actually went on a podcast to do a full interview. It was like a full hour. And I was like, this could be cool. They could ask him some legitimate questions about like Top Gun and, you know, maybe a few good men, Jerry Maguire, some of his bigger movies. And I was thinking to myself, this will be a cool interview. And then the interview, as cool as it was to listen to him talk about some stuff, it was kind of weird because he was keeping all of his comments so open. You couldn't really pin down an opinion on anything. And I almost feel like he's practiced that so he doesn't say the wrong thing on camera or audio and like sound like he's putting down another movie or someone else in the industry or like, you know, he's made friends along the way. Like, I'm not going to say anything stupid because it's going to, you know, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth kind of thing. So no, I think I think I agree, like most interviews with Tom Cruise, like he shows amazing restraint. Um, I'm always taken back to uh I don't know if it was TMZ or it was some prank show or something where somebody had an interview with him. And you've I'm sure you've seen the clip, Drew, where they had the microphone that would squirt water in his face when he was talking. <laughs> and they yeah. basically were just doing it to piss Tom Cruise off. But if you watch that interview, he's actually pretty nice, even though the person was just spraying water in his face. Like he shows so much restraint and tries to be as polite as possible through that situation. Right. Like thinking like everybody kind of laughed at it when it happened, but looking back on it, the guy showed a lot of restraint and I feel like, you know, what, whatever you think about uh, Tom Cruise's personal choices, like he's a man who really values his craft. Like you can see that in the fact that he was, you know, he didn't want, Mission Impossible, uh, the production to be shut down at all due to COVID. You know, that's probably why he was getting so heated about the masks. And he's somebody who um, I just think if you see an interview and he leaves things open ended um, and kind of vague, like you were saying, it kind of makes sense because it kind of fits into the mystery of his craft, I guess. And it kind of probably just builds 
intrigue for whatever product project he's working on and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm reading too far into the whole thing, but um, no, no, I could, it, it definitely makes sense with the persona that I associate with the actor of Tom Cruise. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Well, uh, either way, Mission Impossible 7 has been kind of shut down. It's probably be- by the time this episode releases back to filming. But I just thought that was interesting that, you know, he's got this rant and he's gets everyone scared into the, yep, Tom's, Tom's right. Let's not, we can't, uh, we can't shut this down. We got to keep going. And then <laughs> COVID. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they made it a long time before it got shut down. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, moving along, uh, Wedding Crashers 2 might be on its way. Uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, Owen Wilson might be coming back. And this is coming from Vince Vaughn uh, that he did for an interview uh, with IGN. So, um, I mean, that sounds cool. Uh, Vince Vaughn's character got married, so I don't know how that works now. But either way, that sounds that sounds cool to me. Uh, no, yeah, that's that's going to be great. <laughs> I got it's like a split with DC versus Marvel. So I'm kind of trying to do the non and just uh, major companies first. Okay, so I don't remember if we talked about this. Um, Netflix is doing a live action sh- uh, uh, reboot of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, yeah, we we talked about this a long okay. time ago, but it's just okay. been it's been so long since there's been any developments about this. Yeah, so uh, Cowboy Bebop is an anime about um, space bounty hunters. I guess is the best way of wording it, um, or future. Yeah. Bounty- um the show is awesome it's one of those it's one of those animes that sits on a pedestal uh that people kind of it people regard as one of the better animes out there uh so netflix is doing a live action remake of it uh the reason this comes up in uh, the news today is because the original composer who scored the anime will be working on the live action show well that's Uh, that's great because the uh (laughs) soundtrack from uh the cowboy bebop anime is one of those like just classic soundtracks that people praise so much. And it's like such a cool mix of like jazz and um, I guess just different soundtrack elements. That's just like a really cool. um, It just makes a cool blend and it's perfect for that show. So no, that's really cool news overall. Um, And then. Yeah. All right. And then uh, you sent this one to me. Uh, Rob Zombie's movie, The Monsters. Absolutely. Uh, rumors are true. Rob Zombie's next picture will be um, the monsters. Um, so in the realm of old school television, you had two horror comedy, horror television shows, the Adams family and the monsters. And it was kind of like, if you think about comedy horror on TV, the Adams family and the monsters could only be compared. The best way to, to compare them would be in sync versus backstreet boys or, <laughs> Or Hot Wheels versus Matchbox or, you know what I mean? Those are like the two sides of the coins, if you will. Um, I was always more of a uh, Adams Family person, but I watched The Monsters, too, because why not? Um, But Rob Zombie's doing a version of The Monsters, and I can only imagine what that's going to end up being. I I really – I don't even know how to wrap my brain around that because his movies, like how he – what he's done with his movies, like, you know um, – what the House of the Thousand Corpses? Uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Um, Devil's Rejects. Devil's um, Rejects. Thank you. Um, just some of his horror films like that is just kind of like whoa, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And is this going to be the gory R-rated version of the monsters, or is this going to be a family-friendly, you know, 
horror comedy film. Uh, we'll have, you know, we'll have to wait and see for that. But, um, no, this is really exciting. I like, um, for the most part, I really like Rob Zombie's films. And, uh, I, for some reason, I don't know if we talked about this when it was rumored, um, but it's kind of cool to have it confirmed that Rob Zombie will be doing a Monsters movie, um, and I look forward to it. And uh, I'm not the first person to say this. I've, pe- I've seen people online say it, but uh, Rob Zombie's fa- or most famous song is based on the Monsters. So I do think that uh, I do think that this property is in good hands. And if any of the listeners don't know what I'm talking about, Dragula is the name of Herman Munster's car. So, <laughs> oh, wow. You know what? I don't think I even knew that. In terms of- <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and not, not that I didn't know Herman Munster's car is called Dragula, but the you never made the connection. The, the correlation between Dragula, the car from the Munsters, and the title of Rob Zombie's song Dragula. I don't know if I ever made that sense. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, you learn something new every day, right? <laughs> All right. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk Marvel real quick. Um, so. Uh, um, sorry, I looked at the wrong story. Um, Elizabeth Ost Olsen confirms that WandaVision won't have a season two. Um, when asked if there would be a second season of WandaVision, Elizabeth Olsen confirmed that, quote, no, no, it's definitely a limited series. But with Marvel, you can never say no, um, which means right now they probably have no plans for it. But that doesn't necessarily mean we should rule it out. That's how Marvel works. There's another side to the story, so hold on a second. However, Marvel has confirmed that Scarlet Witch's emotional journey will continue after WandaVision in Doctor Strange and the Infinite Man or Multiverse of Madness. Uh, so that her her arc that she started with WandaVision will continue on within the movie. It's not just so it, that tells me it's a heavy part of the story of the new Doctor Strange film and not just. We learned where Wanda is. Now we're putting Wanda in a Doctor Strange movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's it's a bit of a double edged sword. Like, I feel like part of me wants there to be a WandaVision <laughs> season two. But it's also like I'm not going to say the first season was perfect, but I do think it was a pretty well done season that it's like, you know, if they keep doing it, they might ruin it. Um Thinking about it, I feel like uh, Scarlet Witch might be my favorite character in the MCU right now. I just think the way that her story went in WandaVision, I enjoyed so much. And her power set is just awesome. And I don't know, she might be the the character in the MCU I'm the most interested in at the moment. So I'm glad that her story is continuing and she's going to be really important moving on. Yeah, me, me too, because I've expressed my opinions about how I like that character a lot. Um, speaking of Dr. Strange, this, this story threw me off. Like it literally made me stop dead in my tracks. And then I read the story. So this comes down to make sure you're reading articles and not just headlines and thinking, you know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> headline reads Marvel comics, Marvel comics promises to kill off Dr. Strange in September. Um, so in the realm of a Dr. Strange movie coming out and then you read this, you're like, Whoa, what's that mean? All seriousness, Marvel Comics has officially announced the death of Doctor Strange in an upcoming comic book series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. <laughs> I heard the comics part right away and it right. didn't really phase me. <laughs> right. But when you're reading it straight, when you're reading it just blatantly, you're just like, oh, 
wait, what? And then you continue to read. So I just wanted to point that out. Like, make sure you're reading the full story before you think you know what you're talking about. And if anyone catches that story, we're not talking about Doctor Strange in the movie. We are talking about in the comic books. And when it comes to superhero comics, especially in the big two, nobody stays dead. (laughs) No one stays dead for long. Absolutely. Um, All right. Moving on to D.C. A couple stories over here. Uh, First off, um, Super Pets. Um, There is a uh, actual like it's like a teaser trailer that released for Super Pets. It's basically like a image of uh, crypto, like putting on his cape and then flying away. Um, It's called the League of Super Pets. We brought this up a long time ago. We talked about it. It's clearly an animated kids show. However, um, this is what caught my attention. They released the uh, cast list. So The Rock will be voicing crypto. uh, (laughs) Kevin Hart will be voicing Ace, who is Batman's dog. Um, Mm -hmm. And those are the only two names listed in terms of what characters they are in the teaser. Like there's a whole list. The cast list is listed in the teaser, but the only ones marked with the characters are the rock and Kevin Hart. Um, so that's awesome that we got those two names for those two characters, but the other cast members, Keanu Reeves, Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, Vanessa Bayer, and Natasha Leone and Diego Luna. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like that's, (laughs) that's a pretty star studded cast just for that show. Um, but I just don't know what characters they're playing. So I can't believe the cast is that big. Um, it's kind of funny in the world of voice actors how um, there's a lot of really like super talented voice actors who don't like it's kind of like people criticize like some of the Pixar movies and stuff because they're like, why are you or maybe not even Pixar, but maybe some of the Disney animated movies. And people are like, why are you hiring these big name actors when there's these super talented voice actors that you're ignoring? But uh, no, it's really interesting that the cast is this insanely big (laughs) for this show it's kind of you know making a big question mark appear above my head but uh no that's just really weird it makes me go "Hmm, maybe i should be watching super pets now (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um all right and you put this and you brought this story to me dc's blue beetle film will release only on hbo max um the source is la times and um Here's the thing, whether it goes to theaters or HBO Max, I don't entirely know if I'm completely surprised. Um, And I only say that because with the way Snyder Cut was received, there's a chance we might see other DC movies like they might literally have a slate that are like, this is what you got to watch in the in the realm of shared universe. But this movie is actually getting theaters. This one's going to HBO Max. These two are hitting theaters. These three are going HBO Max. You know what I mean? Like. So I'm not 100 percent surprised. And I wonder if we knew that. I tried to go back a little bit when you sent that to me to see if we already knew that part of the story. But I didn't see anything specific. So, yeah, I thought it was um, it's just really interesting. It doesn't I'm not upset about it either way. I think Blue Beetle is a um, you know, it's sad to say, but he's not, you know, one of the big like main Justice League characters. So it's it makes sense that a smaller character like that, smaller in popularity might release on HBO max, but um, as opposed to in the theaters, but I just thought it was really interesting. Um, And like drew, I didn't know if you'd have any commentary on just um, what that means in the state of like the streaming wars and uh, 
you know, the state of movie theaters right now and stuff. Personally, I don't know if I have too much insight. I just thought it was a really interesting story. And I guess we'll have to see how this develops as more uh, more movies come out, you know, more HBO Max superhero movies come out. Yeah, no. Um, and I just I just I just don't know if I'm surprised. That's all. Um because like they also have like the Static Shock movie coming out. Do they think that's going to be like a billion dollar movie, or are they just going to throw that onto uh, HBO Max? You know what I mean? Like I'm not a hundred percent sure what the plan is for some of those titles. That because I'm not discounting Static Shock at all, but in terms of would it make the money? Like in a, in the world of Black Panther, Static Shock, I feel like would be the would be like DC's equivalent to Black Panther in terms of that kind of a story if you will um but i don't know if it would make the billion dollars that they think because it's not such it's not as a well-known name the way black panther was yeah like the um i remember when i was a kid the static shock animated series came out and it was a really popular animated series and it's really great um if you go back and watch it at all but it's one of those things where this happened when i was a kid and i think there's a lot of people who are you know, my age who would be excited for a Static Shock movie, but doesn't have the name recognition to, um, you know, bring a huge crowd to the box office. But at the same time, if it releases on HBO Max, there's probably a ton of people who would watch it. Um, and, you know, speaking of Static Shock and um, Blue Beetle, like Blue Beetle's one of my favorite DC characters. Like, I'd, <laughs> I know I said he was like kind of a smaller side character, but that doesn't mean I don't think he's any less great than any other superhero. I'm just kind of looking at, you know, what people are really you know, you go to Comic-Con, you don't see a ton of Blue Beetle cosplayers, unfortunately. You know, it's not one of the hugest superheroes ever. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of huge superheroes, did you see the teaser in, uh, image that got released for the Flash film? Um. I, yeah, I, I believe I'm, if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, yeah, I'm pretty sure it, I saw it. It, it quite literally broke my internet feed. It was all I saw for like a day. Um, and right. it's, the shot, it's the shot of the bat symbol on Michael Keaton's chest armor for the Batsman suit. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw this one. So uh, it's, not, it's pretty it, sweet. It's not much because you're just like, oh, hey, it's the bat symbol. However, it's blood splattered. However, it's also blood splattered in the same way that the button is the comedian's button is blood splattered in the Watchmen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so I don't entirely know what that means. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought that was an interesting takeaway. No, I, I remember seeing it. And that's the, the first thing I noticed was the blood splatter and uh, the, right. the Watchmen connection. And I was just like, OK, that's weird. I don't know if there's something they're hinting at there or what this is. We do have a multiverse now, so who knows? Um, and I know I feel like the Watchmen is a decently beloved, uh, you know, DC Warner Brothers comic book film. So I think the average superhero movie goer would be all for the Watchmen universe being brought into this, you know, into this multiverse we're dealing with right now. Right. Well, you. <sighs> How about this in the realm of multiverses and dumb, weird things? Um, Peter, you've on occasion bought something stupid, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, so have I. Like, I've, I've spent money on dumb shit before, um, and sometimes I've spent money and had buyer's remorse. But, you know, there's, there's those times that we sent, we, uh, um, we buy dumb stuff. 
You're not pitching the next top five list, are you? No, not at all. Um, the top five dumbest things you've bought. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, do you know what the game Among Us is? Have you ever heard of that game? Yeah, I haven't played it, but I know about it, and I see I, a I, meme related to it like once a week. <laughs> I, I tried it; it was fun. If you don't know Among, if you know, if you're listening to this show, you probably know what Among Us is. Um, this just blew my mind, and it made me go, "Well, some people do dumb shit." Um, there was a uh, Among Us. If if you don't know what I'm talking about, at least Google it to check out the game so you know what the characters in the game look like. Um, a eBay uh, item hit um, an item hit eBay uh, this past week. It was listed at ninety nine cents for the start of the bid. It is a chicken nugget in the shape of an Among Us character. Nice. Um, after one hundred and eighty four bids, the item sold for one hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I wish I got that chicken nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the, you know, I, there's really nothing else I can say to that. It's just. $100,000 for a chicken nugget that's shaped like the Among Us characters. Um, yeah. See, see, my problem is I would get that chicken nugget and then I would point it out to whoever I was with. Like, hey, this looks like Among Us. And then I would just eat it and move on with my life. Like, I don't have that kind of thought process to like, I should go put this on eBay, you know. But it's one of those things you have to play to win the game, I guess. So it is what it is. Um, yeah. So I don't know. People do dumb stuff. Whatever. Um, all right. Are you ready to talk the list for tonight? Absolutely. Great. Uh, no more news. And uh, let's talk tonight's list. So, Ryan, do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. This week, I felt that it was time to take a look back at movies that are 25 years old. Um, I should have gone a little farther back because I found out. So we're in June of 2021, uh, 40 years. This is the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, so I thought that was pretty sweet. So Raiders of the Lost Ark turns 40 this month. That's pretty um, awesome. Yeah, right. Anyway, we're talking about movies tonight from 1996, which makes every movie on the list that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, uh, this is their silver anniversary. They're all 25 years old. And I'm going to tell you, this was a massive, massive year. This is everything from Beavis and Butthead to America to Biodome, <laughs> Cable Guy, um, Fear, uh, Executive Decision, um, Dunstan Checks In. Uh, <laughs> the top of everybody's uh, list. <laughs> <laughs> Nutty, Nutty Professor, um, The Stupids. I mean, this was a massive, massive year. No, I'm kidding. There's actually some huge movies in this list. Um, and it made me, it just made me laugh. I was like, I'm going to throw out some funny ones. Yeah. Um, no, there's, um, this was actually a huge year. There's a ton of action films. Like, this was like the golden era of like action films when you were getting stuff like, uh, Broken Arrow and The Rock and Executive Decision, and they were just pumping out these action films pretty quickly. I mean, they're always pumping out action films, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, it was like probably the perfect blend between the 80s, like big name um, action film. And I say like big name, like the big actors, like 
Bruce Willis, Arnold, Sylvester Stallone, of course. But uh, you still but then you had like the advance in technology and special effects that just made for everything to look so much more right. spectacular. So they're definitely mid 90s is a great time for action films. I think uh, yeah. I would agree with that for sure. Well, this year's so in 1996, the best picture of the year was The English Patient. Um, the English Patient, if you have not seen it, it's an incredibly lengthy movie. It's a love story. It takes place during uh, World War II-esque era. Um, it is awesome. And I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like that movie, but it's a really good movie. Uh, so it's definitely one that I will agree with in terms of a best picture winner. Um, there wasn't and I was when I was I always go through and try and figure out what the movies are. Uh, what my favorites were, obviously, because it's what we're doing. But I was always like, I'm like, what's the movie? What's the what's the best picture? And when I got to English Patient, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this was English Patient here. So, um, but yeah, no, I really liked it. I, have you ever seen that? No, I still haven't seen it. Um, and it's one of those things like, I bet it is a really good movie. And I remember hearing so much about it and seeing so many parodies of it and stuff. Um, Nowadays, I don't really hear anybody ever mention it, though, which is kind of weird. Um, and if, if you compare it to a movie like the Titanic, like I still hear people talk about the tit- about Titanic. But, um, yeah, I just I haven't heard it get get hype in so long that it's kind of been off my radar. And I never actually never actually saw that one. Well, one of the reasons it's it off the radar is because it's the best picture. So people automatically like kind of push it away. But you know what I mean? But the movie's really good. Um, that being said, um for the sake of uh, uh, 1996, I always do a count how many movies from 1996 I saw of, of the year I saw. I saw 100 movies this year. Well, or at least of the movies that released in 1996, I've seen 100 of them. That's so. crazy. I saw an even 50, which is kind of funny. But in 1996, like I was still in grade school. So there's plenty of movies that came out that uh, I probably wanted to see, but I couldn't and just haven't found the time to see yet. But, um, yeah, it was an even 50 for me, which is kind of funny <laughs> that uh, we have such a disparate, uh, you know, amount of movies we've watched so that's that right. year. But, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Well, how about this? This was my pick. So you get first go for the night. So what are we? Um, what are well, your... I have I have two honorable mentions and I don't know if you do. I do as well. OK, nice. I'll try um, to review short, but yes, I have two as well. Um, so my first honorable mention is Happy Gilmore, um, the Adam Sandler movie that we all know and love. If you don't know and love this movie, um, I think that's really weird. I don't know what to say about this one because it's just everybody's seen it. Like, I just think it's a really funny movie. There's some really great moments. Um, yeah, I don't it, it's kind of weird because I feel like everybody knows this one. Everybody's seen it a hundred times, so it's hard to know what to say. But uh, no, Happy Gilmore is awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yeah. And if you haven't seen Happy Gilmore, you should go watch it because it's awesome. <laughs> um, it's <just> a good <laughs> movie. Um, my first honorable mention is Broken Arrow. Um, this is one of the ones that fall onto the action things that we were just talking about. This is John Travolta and uh, Christian Slater. Uh, Howie Long, if you watch football, you know Howie Long because he's one of the commentators. Um, a broken arrow in governmental terms is the term they give to it's, – it's what they call it's, – it's the term used when they have a missing nuclear weapon. 
Um, and I love the line in the movie where the guy's like, I don't know what bothers me more. The fact that we have a nuclear weapon or this hap- or we've lost a nuclear weapon or that this happens enough that we have to have a term for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> I absolutely love that line. But the movie, it's just a fun action movie. It really is. Um, they did they and almost every effect in it is practical. So there's some really big like train. There's a big train sequence. Um at the end of the film and everything they do on it's practical and all that stuff. So um, like all the stunts and stuff they're doing is practical. And I just, it's, it's one of those movies that you can watch specifically for the effects and uh, be wowed every time. So uh, that's awesome. I haven't seen this one. Um, I remember hearing about it when it came out, but it's just, yeah, I never saw this one, but it sounds really cool and sounds like a really good time. So I'll keep yeah. that on my radar it's, for sure. It's just, it's just a fun one. So anyway, what's your next honorable mention? Yeah. So my next honorable mention. And uh, so with this list, I just want to say, like, narrowing down my top five movies from this year was actually pretty easy because a lot of them are just my favorites overall. But narrowing down my honorable mentions was really hard. And uh, the one I ended up going with for my next one is the movie Matilda, which is a kid's movie, but it's based on the Roll Dahl book. And uh This movie, I just think and it might be my age and, uh, you know, my peers, like people my age that I talk to about this movie. This movie is just classic. But like I said, it might be because of the place and time that I was in when it came out. But the characters in this movie and I think it's because it's from uh, Roald Dahl's writing. The characters are just so, so good and so um, unique. And uh, they really, I think, stand the test of time in a lot of ways. Like you still like these are characters that stick with you. Um, And I think there's just so many moments in the movie that stick with you for life as well. Like uh, the one moment that that nobody ever forgets from this film is when the uh, trench pool um, in in school, she forces the kid to uh, to eat the uh, entire chocolate cake because he was caught like uh, sneaking treats out of the yeah, lunchroom yeah, yeah. or something like that. And that scene is so just visceral and it's gross and it's, I don't know, it's, it's stuck with me for life. And there's a lot of other moments from this movie that have really stuck with me. I like how the, uh, the movie plays up this whole, like, you know, you have a uh, trench pool. Who's like this brutal principal of the school and her punishments for the kids and stuff the movie plays up all those punishments and stuff, but it's so, uh, it just feels so epic in scale, even though when you really think about it, it's a bunch of, you know, kids in a classroom and it's not necessarily the most epic scenario, but everything is played up so epically that it's just, it's a blast of a film. And like I said, this one sticks with you. So this is one where it had to make my list somehow, because I just think, how much it sticks with you. It just really, I think is a testament to this film. So, uh, yes. Um, and I agree this, this is just a good movie overall. So I don't, you're kind of Danny DeVito is phenomenal in this movie, by the way. Um, (laughs) absolutely. The the cast in this movie is great. Um, but yeah, you kind of said it all when it comes to this. So, but that is kind of funny because, uh, it's funny to, it's fun to watch this movie when you're a kid And you like you can't stand like Danny DeVito plays Matilda's dad and you can't stand his character and you hate him so much. But then when you watch him, when you watch it as an adult, you start to laugh at the things that he does and you start to see the humor in it. And I love when movies have that when you watch it later, you know, you see the movie as a kid and then you watch it later in in life and you find like 
new ways to enjoy the film. I really love that as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, my final honorable mention for tonight is a movie called Primal Fear. Um, this is uh, Richard Gere, Laura Linney, and uh, the great Edward Norton. This is the movie that kind of, in my opinion, put Edward Norton on the map and it made everyone go, holy crap, who is this guy? Um, the acting, Edward Norton's acting performance in this is unbelievable. Uh, but this is like, it's, it's a trial, it's a sexual abuse uh, court case uh, film. Um, but it is, it is gripping and it's intense and it's... It's one of the it, like when you break down, like when you get when you see when you get to the end and you see what's really going on, it's going to sh- it's just going to blow your mind. Um, so in all seriousness, it's such a phenomenal movie. Um, but yeah, so Primal Fear, check it out if you have not. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's awesome. Um, you've mentioned this movie on the show before, Drew, and yep. uh, I mentioned that I hadn't seen it uh, whenever the last time you brought this film up it was. And right. then our, our brother Scott and uh, show got, or our brother Scott, who was on the show before, he uh, lent the movie to me and I unfortunately <laughs> still haven't watched it. <laughs> so this is actually a good reminder. I need to watch Prim- Primal Fear ASAP. <laughs> which, which also reminds me that you still have my copy of John Carpenter's Vampires. So that uh, is true, but I did watch it. So yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> At any rate, um, Moving on, what's your first pick for the night? Yeah, so my first pick of the night is a movie that I think we've talked about a couple times already within the history of our podcast. But uh, I went with uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, which is just an awesome movie. Um, It's a great collaboration between Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez in kind of a what kind of makes for experimental film. And I think it's kind of a good um, it's kind of a good precursor to, uh, you know, the, the, the double feature grindhouse that they did. Like it, I feel like this, this movie would serve as like a good, (laughs) if you did a double feature with from dusk till dawn and then grindhouse, like that would actually work really well, (laughs) even (laughs) though it's funny to have a double feature with a double feature within that lineup. But, um, no, this is just a really good movie. I don't want to say too much, but it starts out with a really dark, um, sort of like crime story that's going on. I don't know if crime story is the right way to describe it, but um, because you think crime, you think of detectives and cops and it's not exactly that, but it, it deals with this really dark story about this family that ends up having to transport these, uh, these criminals across the Mexican border and the movie halfway through takes a crazy turn and the whole tone changes into a really bombastic um really gory, fun horror story. And uh, once it turns, it goes into that horror direction. Um, Just everything's up my alley as far as like ridiculous, cartoony, but really fun uh, gore effects and just uh, just a lot of humor and craziness that ensues from there. Uh, I don't know too much else to say about it, but yeah, from dusk till dawn. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not going to add to that because We've talked about from dust till dawn before. Um, Absolutely, at, at nauseum. Um, so my first one for the night is another one that um, we've talked heavily about, and I'm not going to bore everyone with it. But that's the movie Scream. Um, the movie's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite horror films, and I know people will say, "Well, it's not really a horror film," and it's it's a horror film. But in all seriousness, um, 
like it's 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 one of the best and it's just the attention to the detail of the genre so um if you haven't seen scream stop what you're doing go watch it come back and uh finish the episode so i don't know why anybody wouldn't say scream as a horror film like it like it is but maybe what they're trying to say is they weren't scared of it which is yeah fine if that's what you want to say but it i mean it's definitely a horror film it's 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 extremely meta but it's it's a must watch um film in the sort of horror realm of things for sure so yeah all right okay. man. Uh, what's your number four for the night yeah these, my number four these are ranked as opposed to the usual weeks so absolutely so my number four um is a movie that i actually surprisingly don't think we've talked about on the show but uh i went with the cable guy um and this <laughs> yeah. is a movie that uh like we all love the the 90s jim carrey movies you know from you know, pet detective to the mask to dumb and dumber. Like there's the nineties were like a Jim Carrey golden age. Like, and I remember cable guy was as a kid. I never, I don't think I like, I liked this movie, but I maybe didn't appreciate it as much, but I, as I've grown older, like I love this movie. Like anytime, anytime it's on, like I stop and I watch this, this movie. And I think it's because it has that weird, like, Jim Carrey's character as the cable guy is kind of like a weird stalker and it has this weird thriller element as an undertone to the whole movie. And I think that's just really interesting. And I think uh, when I was a kid, I think I took the movie too seriously and watching it as an adult, I see a lot of the humor in it and stuff, but um, no, this, this movie is just a blast. It's filled with classic TV references. Um, I love that they go to medieval times in the movie and that whole sequence. Like that's just a, just a classic um, movie sequence right there. Like, I just feel like that's just, it's just awesome. And just overall, I just think this movie is both hilarious, but it's also super suspenseful that you, and that's something that you don't necessarily get from all the old, uh, you know, the classic nineties Jim Carrey movies. So yeah, I don't know what else to say, but just the cable guy is one that, I always liked it, but as an adult, I think I appreciate this movie way more than I ever did when it first came out. Um, the Cable Guy, um, that that really is a golden gem from back in the day. And a lot of people, I think, didn't like it because it was Jim Carrey played a villain and uh, it was kind of like they weren't expecting it. And I think it kind of turned some of his fans off and he might have done that on purpose. But uh, the medieval time sequence has one of my all time favorite lines of dialogue ever. Uh, <laughs> and it's when Janine Garofalo is, she's the serving girl at medieval times. And she comes up to him and says, hi, my name is Gwendolyn. I'll be your serving wish for the night. Is there anything I can get you? And, um, Ben Stiller asks for a fork and, <laughs> and Janine Garofalo says, well, there uh, are no, there were no utensils in medieval times. Hence there are no utensils at medieval times. Well, can I get you a Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I absolutely love that line of dialogue. Makes me laugh every time. Anyway. Um, yeah. So moving on. But yeah, I just cable guy is great. Um, so my next pick for the night is a movie called The Rock. Um, this might very well be one of my day's best movies. Um, probably one of Nicolas Cage's best movies. Um, but it's basically a military action film about a... Uh, biological weapon that gets taken by U.S. soldiers and the government gets threatened because of uh, I don't want to ruin it. It's it's a it's a complicated I, if I if I talked more about why they were doing what they were doing, it's complicated and it would just 
derail the whole show. Um, but uh, Sean Connery's fantastic in this, and then uh, Nicolas Cage is fantastic in this, and it's just it's one of those really fun action movies, but it's also one of those like gripping ones. It's like super intense and like it's just done really well. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I uh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, and I think um, thinking back on it, like I can't remember a lot of the plot details because it, I think it is like a bit convoluted, as you kind of were alluding there. But I think that uh, no, the the Rock. I just remember enjoying this movie so much, um, and I think for me it was like you said, Nicolas Cage is great in it. Sean Connery is great in it. Um, there's just awesome action, but there's also the Alcatraz connection to the whole thing, which I remember as a kid learning about Alcatraz and just anything to do with that prison just felt so epic to me when I was growing up for some reason. And I think that was just another big thing for me, but this is a, no, this is a great Michael Bay, Bay film. And uh, it's funny cause you don't, you never hear people criticize this one. Like people love to criticize Michael Bay, but I've seldom heard a bad word said about the rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 This is not one that adds, this is not one that comes up when people start talking about Michael Bay. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. So you're number three for the night. Yeah. So my number three is a extremely popular movie. I'm sure everybody who's seen, who's listening has seen it, but I went with the movie Independence Day, um, and this is just this is a classic. This is one of the best alien invasion movies. Um, I don't know how you watch this movie and you don't get pumped up, but this is just. Well, you get pumped up and then you realize that they beat the aliens with Windows 95. However, (laughs) (laughs) I guess I don't know. Whenever I watch this movie, I guess I don't think about stuff like that. I kind of still. There's something, you know, the 12 year old kid who first watched this movie back when it came out, you know, becomes awakened when I watch this film. And I just I just think it's a it's a blast to watch. And it's one of those movies where, okay, yeah, there's the Windows 95 (laughs) criticism that you just mentioned. But I think the movie is film is filled with great action scenes, great character moments. And it's one of those movies where it's an ensemble cast. And I think the cast is just filmed or filled with just a lot of great characters and it's just so easy to relate to every one of them. So I, yeah, I just, I love this, this film overall. Um, yeah, no independence day. It came out at the right time. Um, like I was right in the mood for something like that. Um, the, the airplane fights, the comedy, the, like the great American president speech, you know, it's just overall, the movie was just amazing. Uh, from the get go. I don't know if it's aged as well as I think we hoped it will. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I don't know if it holds up anymore, but um, yes, I do remember having a fond memory of going to the theater and seeing that movie a few times. So I I think there's certain elements, like if you rewatch the movie, there's certain elements that are maybe a bit over the top or dare, dare I say corny if you watch them with uh, 2021 eyes, but I still love this movie. Like it still gets me pumped every time. Um, And bringing up Independence Day (laughs) actually reminded me, have you ever watched the Teen Wolf show, the the MTV uh, Teen Wolf series that came out? No, I have not. Okay, so that series is actually like, it's actually a really fun series, but there's a moment in that show where um, 
instead instead of it being centered around a basketball team, like uh, the character who becomes a werewolf is on on the uh, lacrosse team at his school. And uh, there's a part where there it's before like the first uh, lacrosse game after he joins the team and the coach is in the locker room and he starts giving this inspirational speech. <laughs> and the main character says to his friend, he's like, wait, is this the speech from Independence Day? <laughs> and his friend's just like, yeah, he does this before every game. <laughs> just let him do it. <laughs> and it's just like a really hilarious moment. Um, I don't know why I thought of that, but it's just a funny uh, Independence Day connection. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, no, yeah. I, I I feel like I should just go watch that clip. Um but yeah, that's funny. So, um, all right. So my third one for the night, um, is the movie swingers. Okay. Uh, nice. This is the movie that kind of put Vince Vaughn and, um, John Favreau on the map. Um, it's, I believe it's written and directed by Favreau. Yes. Um, and it, and this is the one where you kind of like, everyone was like, who's this Vince Vaughn guy? Um, it's basically about a group of guys trying to pick up women and having like knowing, believing they know all the right things to say and do to women. And the one guy's just trying to like get over his girlfriend and maybe meet someone new and his friends are driving him nuts because they have all these tips and whatever, and they're making it harder and harder for him to meet the girls. Um, and ultimately it would just came down to just be yourself, um, which is ultimately the message, but the comedy in this listening to Vince Vaughn go off on some of the dumbest things is just so funny. And then like going through the rules, like, well, I got her numbered. So how late do, how long do I wait to call her? And they're like, you wait two days. And then Vince Vaughn's like, well, I think everyone waits two days. So I like to wait three days. <laughs> it's just dumb stuff. Um, when they don't have to be, you know, it's when they could just call the girl and just, move on with their lives. But it's, I don't know. I, I absolutely love this movie. It's one of the, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's, it's one of those movies that holds up. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen this one. I enjoy it a lot. Um, yeah, it's hard to, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if, uh, I have too much more to say on it, but you know, this is a really, uh, this is a good movie and it's really fun. And it's a, um, I think it's a relatable thing. Like, you know, once you once you've, uh, you know, gone through your 20s, let's say, like you can really relate <laughs> to a lot of moments in this movie, even though it takes place in this weird, like late 90s uh, sort of like swing club um, culture. Like, I think there's just a lot of relatable things about the movie. And uh, no, it's just it's just good overall. And there's great characters in it. Um, but yeah, as far as specifics, I don't know too much else to comment on swingers with. Yeah. Um, all right, man. So what do you got? Yeah, so uh, this should this could be pretty quick because my number two movie for tonight is Scream. Um, and this is a movie I mean, we've talked about it so much, but um, I love this movie. Like I said before, this is a must must watch horror film. Um, it's super meta, but it's just super fun in so many ways. And it's just it really changed like it really impacted horror in the way that there was a lot of sort of teen based horror movies that came out right after scream, you know, stuff like I know what you did last summer and stuff like that. But it also, um, it really left a big mark on the landscape because of how it was. It was so meta in that it was a horror movie that commented on horror movies and that sort of really fun, almost like Kevin Smith sort of way. And, uh, no, this one's just, this is a classic and, uh, I love this movie. So, yeah. All right. Well, my number two for the night is a movie called Beautiful Beautiful Girls. Uh, have you ever seen this movie? 
Uh, no, I don't believe right. I have. This is one of those. So this movie is essentially about a group of friends coming home and like it's about a guy who's a he's a piano player and he comes home to visit some people and see his friends. And it's one of those movies. It's one of those uh, coming of age films, but they're everyone's grown up and they're just kind of like getting back together and seeing each other. But um, life's changed and uh, he's everyone's different and not where he thought they would be in their lives and stuff like that. And it's. It's a it's a beautiful film in terms of just looking at how life changes things. But at the same time, um, while he's home, he meets um, a girl who happens to be like she's like 14, 14, 15 years old. And she's the next door neighbor's girl. And he doesn't it's not like a sexual thing. It's just they they kind of meet in the yard and he talks to her and says hello. And they just chat a little bit. And he ends up like looking forward to like just this friendship that he's created with this girl just in terms of conversation of like seeing her in the yard and stuff like that. And it's really just a movie about friendship in general and how like, uh, the, the, the span of time and age doesn't change the fact that we're still people and we can still make friends. Um, Natalie Portman plays the little girl and, um, it's, this is like after she's been on the, on the map, but the movie is just amazing. Um, absolutely. It's such a wonderful, wonderful film about growing up and, um, coming of age and making friends and all that stuff. Uh, you should really watch it. It's a really good movie, um, but it's definitely falls under my number two pick for the year for the year. So. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I'll keep this one on my radar too. Um, like I haven't seen it, but I do like the idea of a movie being about friendship in general. Cause I think uh, that's a topic that just isn't focused on in movies very often at all. So yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds really cool, though. Um, I guess I can move into my number one pick <laughs> for the night, which is the movie That Thing You Do, um, which I, I know we've talked about on the podcast. I feel like I've brought it up a lot, but this is just this is a great movie. Um, it's produced by Tom Hanks. I feel like it, it might also be directed, but it's just a it's just a really engrossing story about a uh one hit wonder band and their career in the uh, I believe it's early 60s. And it's just a, it's just a great movie. Like I love every member of the band. Like there's just a lot of really funny, fun characters. Um, and it's just it's one of those movies that it's, that's about it's about a fictional band and they end up going tour on tour with a bunch of other fictional bands. And there's a lot of fictional band songs in this movie. But if you listen to the soundtrack, all the music music is actually really good. Like it, it's actually super catchy and stuff. And I think sometimes movies that kind of do the fictional band thing, they kind of forget to focus on the music. And I think these songs are songs that'll get stuck in your head and they'll stick with you. And uh, no, this is just a great movie. I think it's a full package. I think I don't know one person who's seen this movie who didn't like it. Um, yeah, this is just this is a great one. I don't know really what more to say, though. No, no, no. That's uh, yeah. I, I for a weird reason, I'm not like I don't really have a good reason, but I just was like, when I saw this movie, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, like it's a good movie. <laughs> I just didn't write home about it the way everybody else did. So, um, yeah, sorry, but I mean, I like the movie, but I was just kind of like meh about it, I guess. Um, that being said, though, um, it is still a good movie, so I hear you. Um, so my. Um, I don't have much to say about my final pick for the night because I've talked about it before and I've talked about the franchise, but my number one pick for 1996 is Mission Impossible. Um, 
This one's the one that's directed. This is the original. It's the one that's directed by Brian De Palma. Uh, this is the one that actually gave me the insight for making this list the list for the night because I realized that it was 25 years old. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then I was like, what else came out that year? Um, but uh, this is this is a franchise that's grown and just gotten better and better and better, if you will. Um, the uh, Mission Impossible in general, uh, this is a franchise that's become and started doing things better and better than uh, all the things that the James Bond movies should be doing, in my opinion. Um, uh, so, yes, it all goes back to that first one. And, like, if you think about, like, the actual, like the mission itself, when you actually look at what they have to do, it's, that's one of the coolest sequences in terms of like movie making, like just the idea, the concept, what they had to do, like the security they had to come overcome, uh, the fact that he couldn't touch the floor, the, the hanging rig that he had to go on, stuff like that. Really, really cool stuff. And it's just a well put together movie. So, yeah, yeah I, 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 would I agree talked about it ad nauseum, so I don't want to go too much farther in it, but yeah, I would agree with all that. Um, and yeah, we've talked about this movie a lot. I just think um, you talking about it just now and the the whole mission aspect um, is just so fun and it's so well done. And I think um, when you really think about this movie, like it has a very complex plot with a lot of uh, mystery and, and intrigue. But then it also has a number of, um, I guess, mission sequences that are really suspenseful and really well thought out. And you can just see that this is a movie that a lot of, uh, a lot of thought and a lot of love went into and uh, no, it's just a great watch. And uh, yeah, this one, this is an awesome movie. It made my short list, but I think just because of uh, personal preferences for me, like it didn't make my final list, but yeah, mission impossible is definitely yeah. a great pick. And I hear you. And I was kind of looking at it going, what am I, what like, and I, and I kind of, when I got to that number one, I was like, well, it's gotta be mission impossible. That's the movie I watched the most in 1996. Like, I think that's like, and I, when I looked back at my picks, I was like, Yep, I watched that the most, you know, and I and sometimes it comes down to those repeat viewings and why you love it so much. So. Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, how about <laughs> this? Um, what are we doing for our uh, next week, Peter? And make sure it's a good pick because it's the 150th episode next week. So I'm just yeah. Kidding. And. I'm just kidding. Whatever list we do is great. I just thought it'd be funny to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't necessarily know that was coming. And uh, now the pressure is on. But uh, no, I went with a pick that um, I thought of it just because this has been on my mind lately. And I don't know why. But, uh, you know, the Mortal Kombat movie uh, just came out and uh, we had like that video game characters movie. And it it just led me to thinking, I think it'd be fun to talk about our top five favorite uh, fighting games as far as like video games are concerned. So I think, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to do as our top five uh, favorite fighting games. So, you know, we're talking about Mortal Kombat, like Street Fighter, like, you know, you know what I mean? But uh, this is this will be an interesting list. And especially because Drew, I don't think. Like, I think we both like fighting games, but I don't know if either of us are super fans. So it would be kind of fun to talk about the games in the genre that we like a lot and maybe what drew us there, you know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of like really hardcore fighting game people who get really into the uh, strategy and move sets of characters and stuff. And I know personally I'm not necessarily that, but uh, I get drawn in a lot more with you know, story and characters and animation and stuff. But uh, no, I thought this yeah. would be interesting and it might be hard, but I think, uh, I think this would be a fun uh, list to tackle. Sure. Um, no, I'm totally down. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, 
So, and we have the potential to match quite a bit, but you never know. We might be pulling out <laughs> some weird deep cuts as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, let's, uh, well, that sounds good to me. So, and that being said, um, that kind of brings us to the end of the list. Um, and we can uh, toss this episode in the can, if you will. Um, so we'll be back next week, everyone. But do us a favor while you're waiting for us to come back. Uh, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to the links of our email, uh, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the show there or on the social media. Either way works. Um, we are on uh, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you will also uh, be able to leave us a review, which we understand those five. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes us words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be letting you know that, uh, you know, that Mista Mista lady. I think I just killed her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, top five report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Oh, and restore the Snyder. All right. Have a good night.